Hello and welcome aboard the Battleship Pretension. I am Tyler Smith. I'm David Bax. And thank you for listening. David. Yes. How you doing? I'm relieved. We have a comedian here in your apartment. Mm-hmm. And he, or she, is a he, is not allergic to cats. It's very exciting. It's been, we, 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 we tried to murder three comics in a row. Yeah. Josh Fadum, Matt Dwyer, and closest to successfully Matt Besser. That's pretty exciting. Uh, with, um, with, with cat allergies. Um, it's nice to have that uh, out of my mind. Now we can just focus on the movie talk. Absolutely. So, David, you mentioned a, a, a comedian is here. I'm not going to look to my right. Who is it? <laughs> uh, well, this is a comedian who I I feel like uh, I I I know I know you're a, uh, a you're a New York comic. You live here now. Is yeah. that right? Yeah. Um, and so I had seen you sporadically. Sure. When you were a New York comic and were coming out here. Yeah. And then I think. My first prolonged exposure was when you showed up on Never Not Funny, which is sort of a... Never Not Fun, they our, call it. Our, like, our favorite, po- the inspiration for this for us doing a podcast Old at all. Old James Pardo. Uh, yep. Yeah. Um, so once again, we have Jimmy Pardo to thank. We stole another one of his guests, as we often do. <laughs> uh, ladies and gentlemen, Pete Holmes is here. Thank you. <laughs> Are you going to go back and sweeten that with applause sound effects? No, it's fine. No, because we, do, we don't tools. have pro ah! <laughs> We were making fun of how you use GarageBand. But yes. so does Jimmy Pardo. So exactly. that's, that's the standard. That's a professional show. Really, that's Matt Belknap uses GarageBand. Right. This is a pro show. The Jimmy first time I that. listened to Never Not Funny to get ready for it, I pictured it in this like oak like studio <laughs> where like the producer is behind glass and like has to push a button to talk in. So like you probably think that your listeners think of this is what it is, when in reality, <laughs> you know, it could be like a sauna esque beautiful <laughs> mic setup. They yeah. don't know. Yeah. Well, so that is that lie. is what their donations are going towards. Is Donate. Someday we're gonna get there. PayPal. Yeah, you can go to the donate. Oh, we don't do that. Uh, Adamandeve.net. No, I'm sorry, nothing. Just donate. (laughs) Donate Donate.com. We do a show, and you donate. That's how it works. (laughs) Yeah, we don't need to be beholden to corporate masters. (laughs) Right. (laughs) And Adam and Eve is as corporate as it gets. That's the first corporation, man. (laughs) (laughs) No belly buttons on that corporation. Um, So, all right. So, Pete, let's get to know you a little bit. Get into it. How you doing? I remember that being the first like deep question was did Adam and Eve have belly buttons? What yeah. like, what a weird place to start. Like you're just like let's assume the Adam and Eve thing is completely <laughs> literal. <laughs> now let me bake your noodle. Did they have belly buttons? It's like can we take it back to where the girl's made from his rib? Can't we question that? You're wondering if he had an umbilical cord? I remember staying up and thinking about that though. That was really deep. That and the can God make a rock so heavy he can't lift it. To oh. which I I was the guy that was always like, "Yes." And they're like, but he can't lift it. And I was like, oh. <laughs> really painful, really a bad time. I do remember uh, having, uh, I was raised in the church, and of course someone came up with that. Well, they didn't come up with it. I'm sure they right. repeated it. No, it uh, started at your church. <laughs> oh, man, that's uh, Denver First Church. I knew it. Um, but, uh, and, the, and the attitude was always like, oh, my gosh, this is, Yeah, I feel like I could lose my faith. And then someone's like, uh, the one thing God can't do is limit himself. And you're like, oh, oh, all right. Yeah, I guess that's the end of that. For a second there, you were almost like Saul. <laughs> the scales falling from your eyes. Exactly. Oh, Only good. in the are other we direction. all biblically informed? <laughs> I had a show business meeting today, and I had like four biblical references. Oh man, one of which was real esoteric. It's not even necessarily in the Bible. It's extra biblical. We were talking about Tuesday being the day 
that God blessed twice, which is why a lot of uh, very religious Jews will get married on Tuesday. Hmm. And I said that at the top of a meeting where we were discussing a show where I'd be writing poop jokes. <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, yeah, if you ever go to Israel, all along the wall, they're getting married. Did you talk yourself out of that job? I feel like... Uh... <laughs> I may have. Okay. <laughs> that actually comes up a lot. Most people typically are pretty interested in religion, I think, in show business specifically because it's like we're deprived. We don't talk about it a lot. Mm -hmm. So like if you want to talk about religion and like how you were raised and all that different stuff, people are usually on board for that discussion because for the most part, we're just talking about like movie openings and right. asinine garbage. There, I, uh, speaking as a practicing Christian, I will say they're interested right up until the point where you say, yeah, I still believe that yeah you got it you got to get out right away <laughs> exactly. that you're no longer religious i have yeah. to say that i have to be like i'm no i went to a religious school i went to gordon college which is a christian okay. school mm -hmm. have you heard of it i haven't where is that located well the denver first people aren't really doing their job <laughs> educating people about uh conservative christian <laughs> that's education. all right they weren't educating anybody yeah. about <laughs> movies or art either it's fine <laughs> it's fine i uh no, it's in uh wenham massachusetts it's oh, like okay. wheaton have you heard of wheaton i've heard yes it's like wheaton but in the east coast and okay. not quite as good and not quite as strict Okay. Academically, it's considered not quite as good, but you can dance. Oh, okay. That's yeah. the, that was the big thing for me. Yeah. Um. You know. You wanted to dance? Absolutely. I've got the music in me. You had to move, and I gotta, I gotta get it out. <laughs> well, it's actually funny. It kind of ties back to movies because there was something called open dorm, wh wherein uh, you could be in a girl's room for like a three-hour window each night, except for Tuesday. Weird. Hmm. The day that God blessed twice. So every other day you could be in for like I think it was like a two or three-hour window. But all I remember, all my girls, uh, all my friends were girls, rather. Mm -hmm. So I would go in and I, I'd miss the endings of many movies, <laughs> like Forrest Gump and all this sort of stuff. I was just like, did Jenny die? What happened? I just saw. It all goes know. well, oddly enough. Oh, really? <laughs> every, every ending you missed was happy. Oh, that's it's, nice. It's like, guys, can we watch a shorter movie? Yeah. <laughs> I've rented Bill and Ted's Bogus Journey. You know, it's funny. <laughs> we should get that done by now. <laughs> that we could uh, knock out. But we never even considered breaking the rule. We self-governed. We were like, we should, we should wow. turn this off now. For uh, your benefit, I know the listeners know I was raised Catholic and I'm now atheist. Okay, atheists are the most religious people I know, though. <laughs> like you have the most, uh, like kind of rigor to your beliefs. <laughs> like you're like Maybe I've never met a non-fundamentalist atheist. You know <laughs> what I mean? Oh, yeah. don't get me wrong. Most of my friends are atheists, and I love talking to them. Just for that very fact, I love talking to anybody that I love talking to like a fundamentalist Mormon, which uh -huh. is interesting mm -hmm. to see like what is your system to like kind of answer all these different things. But atheists aren't aren't really saying let's throw everything. It's not really nihilism. Right. It's not like fuck everything. It's all bullshit. Mm -hmm. You're kind of like, no, we have the answer. It's this. It's like our faith is put in science or whatever. Mm -hmm. Secular humanism. Yeah, really is what we're talking about, yeah. I think. But like, yeah, the most religious people I know are the atheists. It is interesting. Um being uh being a christian and i also have i have another podcast which is film it's called more than one lesson film criticism from a, a christian point of view i should come on that and not talk about religion because <laughs> 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 i came on this one to talk about movies we're talking about religion that's all right we'll get to movies i'm sure sure um, the but not if i can help it uh that's that's been my goal and <laughs> so far i've been failing but thankfully pete Holmes showed up <laughs> but uh but yeah, it's it is interesting being a, a Christian online because I'd say by and large uh, the internet is a mostly I'd say atheistic uh, world. Um, but uh, but online it, is I think so. Yeah, I think it's probably just like confused and misinformed Christianity. 
That's possible. That's where you're yeah. getting all the anger and all the opinion. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like, I, I think it has to go back to some place. Otherwise, yeah. why are people getting so worked up? There has right. to be some sort of core that you're offending. And I think it's I think it's a lot of people that I I personally be, believe had probably been pretty deeply wounded. Yeah. By uh, by the church and, sure. and that sort of thing. So I actually have a fair amount of uh, sympathy for them but uh, yeah. but it's interesting you you mentioned the idea of like atheism as a religion i i don't like to throw that out there because it's uh, i i sometimes agree but i don't yeah. i don't throw it out casually but i remember there was um there was a guy who uh an atheist who had like a youtube channel and he was very uh very adamant very uh i don't know well angry i'll say angry as well sure but uh and and he was very against that argument that atheism is a religion, and his whole thing was atheism is a religion in the same way that not collecting butterflies is a hobby. And so I was like, <laughs> oh, I see what you mean. Yeah, And uh, you made uh, 24 uh, original videos uh, to prove the point that ah. you're really not that committed to this thing as if you're I, not being I think evangelical. That's a, that's a better word. It's mm-hmm. not religion. It's mm-hmm. just commitment. I yeah. meet more lackadaisical people that have like one toe in the Christianity pool. Mm-hmm. But most atheists I know, and maybe this is a compliment, have really submerged themselves I, in it mm-hmm. and really don't kind of want to talk about it. I think growing up in a, in a country, now I know that um, someone who is a, a dedicated practicing Christian like you might not think of this the same way, but mm-hmm. almost everyone in this country at least considers themselves Christian. It's a, yes, cultural Christianity is what... Uh, and we... and there's a real... Especially in a heavily Catholic place like St. Louis, Missouri, um, it takes a lot of... It, I had to work up... It was years of working up the gumption to admit first to myself and then to say out loud yeah. that I didn't believe this thing that no, I No, it's been, like coming out of the closet a little yeah, bit. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. But I, sh- I will say this. Unlike a lot of... Uh, I feel like a lot of people who were raised Catholic specifically and then uh, have gone atheist have animosity towards their upbringing yeah i have no because i i didn't you know no priest ever tried to touch me or anything i have no i have nothing but i have, I still have positive feelings toward the catholic church i feel you talk about being culturally christian i still mm-hmm. feel and, and i know a lot of like uh secular jews who will consider themselves culturally right. jewish i still feel culturally catholic i, like, I still feel a connection to it i kind of think that's where it's at the older i get uh-huh. i know that sounds absurd but it's kind of like the church, to me, sometimes seems like a beacon of people that can kind of, like, value similar things. Mm-hmm. Regardless of whether you believe in, like, a sinless life and physical death and resurrection of Jesus. Right. Mm-hmm. Regardless of that, let's take that off the table and just say, like, do you think it's cool to, like, forgive people? Are you into, like, grace? Do you like helping people and all that sort of stuff? Like, because you kind of assume those are values that everybody has, but it's not really true. But mm-hmm. a lot of people that at least would think to take their families to church are kind of striving towards that. Mm-hmm. So I still kind of, I like people that are like me, that were raised churchy and <laughs> yeah. are no longer churchy. Yeah, That's nice. what I'm looking for. <laughs> friend, so you're both out. All right. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks for listening, everybody. Uh, this was Battleship Pretension, episode 218. Is, well, that, is that perhaps the most serious religious discussion that's ever been spawned by talkofadamandeve.com? <laughs> <laughs> wow. Wow. That's hilarious. I, I just went back to my school, and I did stand-up, and I performed in the chapel, and it was really difficult for me. Uh-huh. I don't do dirty right. comedy, mm-hmm. per se, but you can't say what the hell. You couldn't say, like, uh, I have a joke where I say throw eat a cake and throw the remainder at a homeless person. Like, that would be considered uncaring right. or unloving. Are, are unchristlike, I suppose. So there are all these things, all these audibles mm-hmm. I had to call 
on the line as I'm doing the joke. I probably should have thought about it beforehand, but that feels too much like work. So I was doing it like as I was going. And then I also came and uh, showed an episode of Outsource, the show that I was writing for. Mm -hmm. And a lot of people were like, what is it like being a Christian in the workplace or whatever, which is a mm -hmm. tricky question for me. I didn't want to be like, well, I'm not really religious anymore. Right. But like, I knew what they were asking, but it was like, do you get that yourself? Or people like, you watch movies mm -hmm. that people would consider compromising to your faith. I think that's, to answer for Tyler, that's kind of why he started the other, his other podcast. Yeah, to, uh, the, the theory was... Because um, to, to, to lay out for you, he has a, uh, more than one lesson is movie talk for the discerning Christian, but he doesn't discuss Christian movies. Or I think you have, maybe had I done talked it. about Fireproof, Fireproof and how much Proof. I don't like it. But he talks about <laughs> secular movies mm -hmm. uh, and uh, often very popular movies, at least within the... Film buff community. Then every once in a while, I'll talk about like a Winnebago, Winnebago Man or Adam Resurrected, <laughs> right. just for me, I guess. Um, mm. But yeah, so I was just to lay out to listeners yeah. who might not have listened into you what his other show is. Yeah, so. well, that's interesting. But yeah. anyway, sorry. Now, now you can answer the question that was directed at you, Tyler. Uh, I think it's already been answered. No, it's fine. Uh, the it is something you kind of find yourself in the middle um, because there are some Christians who feel like I mean I I, I told the story on the other show that. Uh, I remember one time uh, the the church I went to in Chicago, uh, I went there just because like I wanted to go to one and then I wound up going, moving away from this one because this one really, when it came to anything artistic, they just... What church was it? It was a, ba a Southern Baptist church. Okay. Um, and I'd never been Southern Baptist, but uh, they were very... They're very nice and encouraging, and uh, and they played a very significant role. Like, uh, my father had passed away, and so the church really kind of... Uh, I don't know, kind of came around me and really like uh, were very encouraging. So there, so there was that, and I was happy to have them. But from when it comes to movies, like it was nothing. And so yeah. I remember one time, the assistant pastor was uh, driving people home in like in like the church van, and so it was like it came down to like me and this much older woman, and uh, I had just gotten back uh, into Chicago uh, after I think the summer or after like some kind of uh, break, and in which I had gone home. He's like, so you happy to be back? I'm like, oh, absolutely. I just went and saw, I just went and saw Lawrence of Arabia at the Music Box, mm -hmm. and uh, <laughs> and then the solo woman's like, we shouldn't even be watching movies. And I'm just like, <laughs> I did not. I could have, I could have stayed back in Missouri if I wanted this, yeah. you know. And uh, not to imply that people, uh, everyone in Missouri is like that, but it's just like. No. And so I actually, I was in no mood, and so I was like, oh, I'm making them. I'm making movies because I was going to film school at the time. And she's like, what? And then uh, the assistant pastor, diplomatic as always, was like, he's like, oh, yeah, yeah, Tyler, he's going to Columbia. He's majoring in film. Almost as if to say, like, I'm kind of okay with this. Maybe you should be, yeah. too. It's fine. <laughs> Maybe let's not grill the young lad. Yeah. Um, so you kind of get it on both sides. And then, of course, there are some people that feel that uh, – some people on the other side, the film community, that feel like, well, you can't possibly – it's like, really? You're, you believe this? How can you possibly believe this and appreciate film? You know? Well, that's interesting from an industry that keeps telling the Christ story over and over. I was and about over to make the same point. Oh yeah, no, oh. they see the value of it. They see the artistic value. Well, of it. I actually think that this is also where it's at. I'm going to keep t telling you guys where it's at. Okay. Okay. Can I get some bongos? <laughs> I actually think it's interesting. Like one of the uh, arguments against Christianity is that story has been told by every culture, basically. Mm -hmm. Like you can look back to like raw the sun god and then mm -hmm. you know thousands of years ago stories of virgin birth and then like mm -hmm. god sacrificing his son for us and all that sort of stuff mm -hmm. some have all the parts some have some of the parts right. and like part of me is like oh that means life is meaningless and everything
saying is bullshit. <laughs> also, though, there's part of me that thinks that there's a story that's just kind of like on human DNA. And whatever mm. that's spawned from, if it's spawned from our survival instinct or whatever it is, if mm-hmm. it, it could just be something primal and scientific, mm-hmm. like we see a bull and it runs at us, and therefore we're like prone to look for patterns, and that's why we're looking for God. It doesn't matter where mm-hmm. it's coming from, or it's in our soul. Mm-hmm. And I gesture to Tyler when I say that. Either, either way, it's interesting and kind of hopeful to me that there's something that if you wiped out the earth and there were just three babies, in like 2,000 years that pro- there would be another Christ story. Oh, I think, yeah. Like we can't stop telling that story. It comes, it comes from, and I, I will try to speak not as a Christian and from somebody who appreciates art. I think it comes from a search for meaning and a, re- a recon- recognition that, like, nobody is perfect. Right. And so where, so, but we want some sort of redemption. It's beautiful. And that sort of thing. That's why we cry at the end of Gran Torino. <laughs> <laughs> or The Matrix. Or what, I mean, how, yeah. many, how many Jesus stories are there? My favorite one to mention is John uh, Brubaker. Did you ever see Brubaker with Robert Redford? No. Where he's a uh, like a, a hip young with uh, you're not going to predict the next word I'm going to say hip young prison warden <laughs> um, <laughs> who uh, he gets he gets hired on to this uh, very uh, harsh prison uh, but before he makes himself known he kind of goes undercover as a prisoner to see what their life is like mm-hmm. and o- and sees just how terrible it is and how much change needs to happen and only only towards the end uh, does he. Maybe in the middle, does he reveal himself as, I'm actually not one of you, I'm right. above you, but my understanding of you is going to enable me to, quote-unquote, save you. And, of right. course, spoilers, he gets fired at the end. So, I but, thought he was going to get killed. That would, that would be oh, better. No, but he just gets fired, but like all the prisoners, like their lives are changed, and they have much more respect for themselves now. Yeah. And they know that they can expect more yeah. uh, more humanity from, from the people, even though he's he's gone. So that's a that's a nice little Christ analogy that yeah. nobody really talks about, but I I like a lot. Well, it can't it can't stop happening, and mm-hmm. and uh, well, the Green Mile that's also a prison warden movie. Yeah, right. you know John Coffey, JC, you see yeah. that sort of thing all the time. But just like people can't get enough of grace stories and redemption stories yeah. and sacrifice stories. It, 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 again, it's just something that's in us. I think because we're so innately selfish, the idea of someone else who we know is also selfish being like. I'm going to take the fall for this, even though I don't deserve it. Mm-hmm. That'll make, you know, my dad, who's like a tough guy, uh, cry. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? That That's like the quickest way to, like, break a man. And Hollywood <laughs> knows this. Oh, yeah. I also, Isn't Avatar kind of a Jesus story a little bit? I'm uh, trying to remember. I'm trying to think. So I've you're only more, seen you're it more of once. a fan than I am. So. <laughs> I, I'm not I, even I an Avatar fan. I'm just trying to think of a movie that's more recent. That's that's kind of like a I mean, Grand Torino was a that was a great example. Grand Torino, yeah. yeah, when he falls in the in the Christ in the position, Christ position yeah. is, but uh, Clint Eastwood is an agnostic. Yeah, mm-hmm. I looked it up after I saw that movie. I, but I also feel like the reason that that story of like especially sacrifice for for the larger for the greater good mm-hmm. is um, comes from this is something Tyler and I have talked about uh, the idea that people are as you say naturally selfish, but at a certain point. A society of conscious individuals mm-hmm. re- realizes we're going to need to work together, and so they create this parable yeah. as a sort of like a, I don't know, a, a beacon, like you said, the churches like yeah. to bring people together and well, they, it's have a, to it's work a great, as a group. It's, a, it's the greatest story ever told. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. I mean, like, yeah. what a wonderful uh, thought or reality. Either way, we don't know. 
that God would send his son and then, and then he'd like care enough. I remember one of the, somebody in church was telling some story. Some old guy didn't want to go to a, a Christmas service and he stayed home. You know, he's the grumpy atheist dad. Yeah. Ah, fuck your church. And he stays home. <laughs> And then, like, he uh, heard some cats outside, very appropriate, because you have a cat. And it's like a, bl- a blizzard outside, and he opens the door, and there are these stray cats. Mm-hmm. He's trying to get them to come in, and they won't come in to the warm house where they'd be saved. Mm-hmm. And he has this thought where he's like, oh, if only I could become a cat and, like, explain to them, right. mm-hmm. you need to get in the house or you're going to die. And, that, and I mean, like, even that story, that's like a 15-second fi- story, and yeah. it gives me, like, tingles. Like, that's, <laughs> like, we know that we need help. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And it's a wonderful thought that that god would uh, give us this help and that and that's why we can't and we'll never stop telling that story so either that means it's not true and it's bullshit like i said we keep telling the story because we're making it up mm-hmm. or it's so deeply on the thumbprint mm-hmm. of our souls that it is true that like we were made with some sort of awareness of our origin and did you did you ever see a uh, last temptation of christ I did, yeah. I, I saw it when I was young and religious, so I was like offended. I was like, oh. how dare they? Which is fascinating, because I, I was reluctant to see it, and then I finally saw it when I, I, I think I was actually about 20, maybe even 19. I was, I was actually pretty young, but I was, I was holding off for a long time, and then I saw it, and I, like, that movie has way more uh, resonance for me than, yeah. like, The Passion of the Christ, yeah. um, because it sort of, it humanizes Christ while not negating uh, Well, it shows he what is. he gave up. Yeah, exa- it shows exactly. It shows what he gave up. It was um, my. It was a religious friend of mine who's a pastor now mm-hmm. who told me to see it, and I was like, because I always thought it was like kind of. I don't really give a shit about blasphemy. I never really did, but mm-hmm. like I kind of thought, oh, this is probably blasphemous. Like the idea mm-hmm. that Jesus gets down and doesn't die, no. like that's too confusing. We're back to the belly button thing. But <laughs> but what fascinated, what always got me was people's reaction of like it's like he gets down and has sex with Mary Magdalene. It's like slow down. The last temptation of the title is not that. It's a bigger thing. It's to live life as a person. Right. Like, and have a family. But, but like, ha- there's nothing wrong with it's, that. It's so Christian. And this was one of my big problems with the church was the focus on sex, swearing, mm-hmm. alcohol. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like, we had somehow right. boiled down what I'm telling you is a story that's on our, the thumbprint of our souls. And we boiled that into, like, don't say fuck. Yeah. <laughs> you know what yeah. I mean? And what a bunch of fucking bullshit. <laughs> but the uh so they made it like he boned Mary Magdalene. That's not the point. I'm with you. That's right. not the point. Yeah. What are you talking like, about? Like he has a wife and then goes on to have children and respect in the community. You know, the kind of thing that all of us value. Right. And all of us want, especially like he actually lives out what some would say is the American ideal. Yeah. But uh the Jerusalem dream. Yeah, but, it's not like he got Donald the Cross was like shooting smack, <laughs> right? <laughs> or yeah, and Mary Magdalene was like that. one in a, in a long line of yeah. of, of whores or whatever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But uh, but the uh, but the part I want to I want to mention is uh, Harry Dean Stanton's role as Saul and then Paul, and there's a, the scene where he talks to Jesus after Jesus has kind of renounced his uh, divinity or whatever, and he says he's like he's like you don't understand. People need this. People need this story. And he's like, he goes, I'm going to tell it either way. I'm glad I met you because now I can forget all about you. People need the resurrected Christ, not not you. Yeah. You know, and it's and so I feel like that speaks to what you. Well, that's kind of my point. Yeah, that speaks to what you're talking about. And you can either let that like Bill Maher uh, religious sort of way. You can either let that drain your pan completely of hope Mm -hmm. or you can kind of take this weird. I can't I couldn't. Uh, counter this in a debate. I can't really stand on this thing, but I'm just kind of being like, no, I think that speaks to some sort of meaning that we're all supposed to be looking for, mm-hmm. even if it is just a secular, humanist, scientific mm-hmm. reason. Mm-hmm. Who cares? Either way, I think uh, most thinking people should be kind of answering those questions. Mm-hmm. 
So All thanks right. for having well, me on, guys. Absolutely. Uh, <laughs> I, 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 I kind of feel like I don't want to go over, uh, flip over and talk about outsourced now. <laughs> but, uh, no Christ themes in outsourced. No Christ <laughs> themes. Well, I'll leave that to you. Maybe you can work it in. <laughs> Season one's over. Maybe if we had more Christ themes, we would have been picked up by now. Son of a bitch. <laughs> well, uh, sorry. There's no official word on outsourced. Uh, right no, now, no, no, no. Probably by the time this airs, we'll know. We'll okay. probably know next couple of days. Well, fingers crossed. Fingers crossed. <laughs> what? Nice. So let's get. Um, oh, how can we not end on that? All right. Someone, <laughs> someone, someone <laughs> mentioned cross <laughs> in 40 <laughs> minutes. 25 minutes. Um, so, I, I mean, uh, as th- this is going to be as inelegant as possible, but what are some of your favorite movies? No, well, it's funny because we were. Th- we were th- why do I love Batman? Uh, I love Dark Knight. I love Batman Begins. Those are two of my favorite movies. Mm-hmm. Why do I love those movies so much? I also like getting drunk and watching those movies. <laughs> like, I can't stop. I have an insatiable desire to get drunk and watch The Dark Knight. And when I watch it and I'm drunk, it's not only like a great movie. It's actually not the best script. There's some really bad lines yeah. in The Dark Knight. It's Night. a little clunky sometimes. It is. It's so well directed and so well acted. Mm-hmm. that like. And I know the Chris Nolan wrote it and uh, directed it, so it's kind of his fault. Yeah. But like, it has the line like, have a nice trip, see you next fall, is in the script. <laughs> you know what I mean? There's like some garbage, garbage lines in that movie, but like some really amazing performances. And then like, I think they kind of realized that they were bad and kind of like downplayed them. You have to look for them. Yeah, but, a, except for Nikki Cat's one scene in the... Uh, and I love Nikki Cat, but what the hell? Who's Nikki Cat? He's um, when... I guess this is a spoiler for The Dark Knight. When the two cops are driving and it turns out that the one cop is was Gary Oldman the whole time... And it's like car chase one, where like he oh, shoots yeah. a rocket at him. Who's like the wisecracking cop the whole time? Yeah, it, he, I can't remember. He's saying stuff like, "Oh, this is not good. Oh, oh this, this is, is not, not good. good. This is, yeah, it's like, it's, I didn't sign up for this. It's like you're a cop. You did a, this. Yeah, is exactly yeah, yeah. what you signed up for. <laughs> you li- there should have been a picture of a car doing this scene. <laughs> you did very well. Signed up for this. I don't. I don't really remember. I don't know who that is, but I know who you're talking about. Yeah, uh, Nikki Cat. Um, he was in. He was in Insomnia, which Christopher Nolan directed. I'm trying mm. to think what. Oh. um... You might have you seen Days of Confused? Yeah, but not well enough. Oh, well, we the guy that Adam Goldberg says someone's token some reefer, and then the guy who gets mad and beats him up. That's okay. That's Nikki Cat. And I, he was in a movie called The Limey. If you ever saw The Limey, I don't um, think I'm going to get this. This is why Doug uh, Benson wants me to do this thing. I, I don't know anybody, <laughs> like names and stuff. Like I can't do like my favorite movies. I can't. T- Christian Bale. I don't know the name of the guy who plays Two Face. I okay. don't know uh, Heath uh, Ledger. Eckhart. Aaron Eckhart, that's right. Yeah. yeah, I guess I know it if I hear it, but yeah, I don't know. But uh, I I love that story because it, uh, like especially the Dark Knight. I love the story. I love any origin story. Mm-hmm. Um, as a comedian, like we we love to romanticize our journeys up and be like, I used to think I was like Batman all the time. I started in New York. Uh-huh. I kept the same hours as Batman. Uh, I thought I was doing something noble where I was saving the citizens of Gotham from their like <laughs> shitty comedy shows because the shows were so bad. I thought I was swinging in, saving them for 15 minutes and then leaving. <laughs> I had, I, and I also was the same age as uh, Bruce Wayne when he came back to Gotham, when I moved to New York, mm-hmm. I had, I had it totally dorked out, but like, that's why I like begins. But the reason I like dark Knight is because like, it's so, you know, it really breaks down like good versus evil and, like, it kind of de-romanticizes. Like, Batman really is kind of lame in it. Uh-huh. You know what I mean? He's not the cooler guy. Right. And they right. kind of that's, like, the point of the movie is it's, like, it's not really that cool. It's cool to be 
the anarchist. It's so cool to be the artist. It's like destroying yeah. everybody. Yeah. I just watch it and I'm just like, oh my God, I'm Batman. <laughs> <laughs> I'm trying. I'm out there trying to be good and make a difference. And, and then there's Chaos, who's the Joker, and he's just mm-hmm. fucking our, our lives up. And he's like the devil, I suppose. Mm-hmm. And I don't know. I, I can't really make a religious thing, but I, because it speaks to moral issues, I really like that movie. Well, this, uh, that actually gets me to uh, leave movies again and ask you about your becoming a stand-up. Like, what's your story? Where are you from? How did you get into stand-up? Yeah, sure. I, I, uh, I'm from Boston, and I uh, started there kind of in college, and then in 2000. Not a big stand-up town. Boston, right? No, not a lot. Of <laughs> well, uh, you know, a lot if I'm going to do this, I have to leave. I, got, I can't do it here. <laughs> well, you know, I wanted to go to Chicago to do improv. That's what it was. Mm. Was I had done stand up a, a couple times in Boston, and I still do occasionally. It's a really hard stand up town. When I go there, still, mm-hmm. uh, not that I'm like indestructible or anything, but like I can't really crack them. I look out and I just see a sea of people that look like my parents mm-hmm. and my brother. And I'm just like, I don't know what, what you're waiting for me to say, but I, I can't say it. It's kind of this like working class hmm. kind of like talk about driving in the Red Sox, you know, and I'm just yeah, like, up be, there. Uh, what's his name? Steve Sweeney. I don't know who that is. Isn't he? He's a, uh, a Boston oh, I, I comic. Know, I think I know the name. Yeah. yeah. I feel like he like did a little bit of TV and now he essentially just plays Boston and yeah. has made a career out of never leaving Boston. I think you? I know who you're doing. Yeah. yeah. And that's exactly it. I really admire those guys that can do well in Boston, but like, I just don't feel like I have the grit that they're looking for, which is weird because I went to New York after I went to Chicago and you'd think New York would be like a grittier, meaner place, but there was this like wonderful, like downtown scene of like Rafifi and UCB and all these places mm-hmm. that really did want you to be vulnerable for lack of a better word. Mm-hmm. So it wasn't really about being a tough guy. It was about just being like, honest and like having a good time so when was this when did you move from to chicago and then to new york chicago was 2001 and then 2004 i moved to new york and then uh just this last year 2010 Mm. i moved here to los angeles california you moved to chicago the same uh year tyler and i did is that right Mm -hmm. we literally moved yeah it was uh, like three weeks after 9-11 I was there about like three weeks before 9-11, huh. All right. which was super weird. And I was taking classes at I.O., and we met on Tuesdays, hmm. the only day God blessed right. twice, <laughs> and, uh, which was 9-11. And uh, yeah. we had class that morning. Like I called, and I was like, are we meeting? And they're like, yeah, come on down. And everybody was just like crying, and we were like, oh, we should have just canceled the class. It must have been. Uh, I remember because uh, when 9-11 happened, I knew I was going to be moving to Chicago. The yeah third biggest city in the country in yeah. a few weeks and i was i was scared i can't remember i can't imagine what it would be like being there there had to be a yeah. lot of paranoia like yeah. are we next or whatever. i worked at a bennigan's just down the street from the sears tower and you know uh which is a distance from the hancock building but i mean the sears tower we, we like all those curb your enthusiasm that curb your enthusiasm episode where they're like no this is from the fbi they're gonna yeah. attack the sears tower <laughs> on wednesday so yeah. you might want to call in sick and you know, I, I was 22, but even then I was just like, that's just bullshit. That's not true. So, but I was also still young enough that I felt very invincible and like right. not afraid. So that, that was nice. Yeah. I, uh, I lived in, uh, Springfield, Missouri at the time, or rather Nixa, uh, but Springfield is a moderately large city. It's and the third largest town in Missouri. Yeah. Which is surprising. <laughs> uh, it, it has to, it must drop off pretty quick after, after St. Louis, St. Louis and, and Kansas, Kansas city. city. Yeah. And then, yeah. But uh, nonetheless, uh, there. W- so that that night, I was uh, hanging out with uh, some friends. We were all playing Trivial Pursuit, and um, and somebody mentioned, "Hey, you know that I won't say her name, but uh, hey, you know this uh, girl 
who we all sort of acknowledge. I don't like to designate people as just plain stupid, mm-hmm. but she was just plain stupid. I mean, she, it was really fascinating. And uh, she had uh, she had talked with one of them uh, over the course of that day and had said something to the uh, – because in Springfield there is a three-story building oh, no. called the Trade Center. And so she thought she – who knows how long she was under this impression? She thought Terrace had flown a plane into the Trade Center oh, in Springfield, Missouri. My goodness, so <laughs> that's hilarious. Yeah, well, I was touring a lot at that time, and I remember. It's funny. The people that seemed most affected by the fear were the people that were living so far from anything that mm-hmm. you could, but they'd find a way. They'd be like, "Well, we are 150 miles from that nuclear power plant, or whatever." Right. Mm-hmm. And it's just like. Yeah, that seems like a stretch. You have a Walmart, and then there's a couple schools. <laughs> I think you're going to be okay. It's like, and they it's were. All, it's the last place anyone would expect. Yes, there's a reason for that. Yeah. <laughs> including terrorists. They're yeah, like, yeah. What, what are we going to do here? But, but, uh, once again, this episode has gone in a way I didn't, uh, <laughs> didn't expect. It. I'm, I'm enjoying it. Religion, 9-11. It's all happening. Yeah. What, what else can I tell you? The, my favorite movies. I love those movies. I love the Bourne movies. Are those cool Me to too. like? Oh, man. Yeah, I'm a huge fan I of I saw Born Ultimatum in New York opening night. It was fucking great. People were losing it. Because that's a great movie. It, oh, yeah. And, and, like, but the first time he, uh, you know, he's ushering the news guy through the airport or through the mm-hmm. train yeah. terminal. And, like, nothing's really happened yet. No. You know what I mean? Like, there hasn't really been anything, like, action-y. And there's just that, like, 30-second scene where he disarms, like, four guys. And he just, like, really casually throws their guns in the trash. Uh-huh. People, like, cheered. <laughs> People go into ape shit. And, you know, at the end of that movie, you don't know if he's alive. And then he starts to swim again. People cheered. Uh-huh. It was, like, the fucking... One of my favorite uh, movie experiences. Just, like, everybody was so unapologetically into it. And for our generation to kind of have something where we're like, oh, this is how my parents or my dad maybe felt about James Bond. Mm-hmm, you right. know what I mean? And like now I'm like, oh, but I never really related to James Bond. Now I have like Jason Bourne. Yeah, and you're, I, in, you're and, in good company. I think we're both on the record as not being big James yeah. Bond fans, which has gotten me at least a lot of uh, yeah. negative email and Twitter I, feedback. Well, because but, I stand by Casino Royale. I like uh, Casino Royale. I, I love I, that. Although I'm almost positive that – it was informed by the Bourne movies because it's yeah. much more down to earth. It's not nearly as suave. Well, the way they the, that yeah. first fight scene, the parkour scene or whatever, it's yeah. like that's very, very Jason Bourne as shot kind of handheldy and yeah. sort of like raw. I totally agree. Yeah, that could have been a Matt Damon movie, but yeah. uh, Daniel Craig is yeah. that his name? Yeah. He was fantastic. Yeah, I think. And it was then great. Quantum of Solace, they just fucked it up again. I didn't see it, and I didn't like. I wanted to see it, and then I read the reviews. I'm like, I, I'm good. I've seen it. It's forgettable. But okay. that first one, I was literally just thinking about what a perfect uh, reboot that movie was. That was the perfect reboot. The mm-hmm. way that they end. I don't care if you haven't seen it by now. You're fucked. You should have mm-hmm. seen it. This is a spoiler. I, I haven't seen it, but go ahead. The last line of the movie is he says, "I'm Bond, James Bond." Uh-huh. So like they save it to the last yeah. line, and it's just so satisfying to be like. Oh, they're like toying with the mm-hmm. idea of a reboot. Like they're like, you know, he's going to say it at some point, but you never thought he was going to say it. The last line of the movie. Isn't there also a part where someone asks him if he wants his martini shaken or stirred? And, and he, he says, says, "I don't give it to him." Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and that's what. Oh, I- it's so fucking good. <laughs> <laughs> throwing convention out the window. <laughs> well, it's it's something. It it doesn't reveal itself to be an origin of James Bond until I mean, it's it's like, oh, this is early in his in his career. Right. But like as like everything that you know James Bond to be, which is like a user of women, 
emotionally cold, yeah, yeah. Uh, cool as ice, and the whole thing. Like, uh, and when you watch, it, you're like, well, he seems pretty committed to this girl, yeah, and uh, he seems like you he's see emotionally, why he becomes yeah. an abuser of women, and you don't know, and you don't know until probably the third act that like. Ah, yeah. I see. James Bond that, is being shaped right yeah, now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, then, and that course, first time he puts on the tuxedo, he has this great moment where he looks like his face just reads like, this is a good look for me. <laughs> and you're like, yeah, and it is. That movie has something that like not enough people seem to be talking about. This is perfect for, for this because there's a scene. Sorry, spoiler. Uh, he's tortured in a way that hurts his Johnson. OK, uh-huh. his wiener. And it's pretty. It's pretty brutal. It's actually very well done. And it's nobody so likes to- simplistic. Yeah, nobody likes torture scenes. But this one is done just this side of the line where it's like, cover your eyes. But it's mm-hmm. definitely bothering people. But then the next scene, spoiler alert: he doesn't die, and he's in like a hospital chair, and they have this scene where like. It's almost as if the writer, director, everybody involved forgot that the scene previous was him getting hit in the balls mm-hmm. because every line is like a double entendre. <laughs> yeah. And there, there's an even like I, I can't think of specifics, but you'll see that scene. And he's just like, how are you holding together? And he's like, I feel like part of myself is missing, you know, stuff like that. <laughs> like, what? How can and he doesn't mean his dick. <laughs> It's just unbelievable. <laughs> the other best time is in American History X where Edward Norton is uh, raped in the shower. Mm-hmm. And then the next scene, he's in the hospital, the uh, prison hospital, and someone comes to talk to him. And he's just like, I just feel like something was inside of me and now it's out. <laughs> like, I'm not, that's not the exact line. But you're like, he literally has like gauze on his ass <laughs> from being raped. And like, didn't a script supervisor go like, you know, me and the girls are kind of cracking up because every line <laughs> sounds like he's talking about being raped in the ass. I, I'm not kidding. It's not one line. It's again and again and again. And he's just like, it just can't come out of me any harder. Like, what? He's talking about his emotional journey, but I can't stop thinking about the rape that I just saw. I know you probably shot this day two and the rape was day 23. But if you watch it in sequence, it's pretty glaring. That sort of stuff happens all the time. Oh, that's awesome. <laughs> it's pretty fun. So I can watch the Bourne movies endlessly. I can watch Batman, the two new Batmans, endlessly. There Will Be Blood I love mm-hmm. more than... Yeah. Almost more than any other movie. But Glenn Gary, Glenn Ross is kind of my favorite movie. Yeah. yeah. It's pretty amazing. But I've kind of overdone it. Now, you know what I mean? Watch, I, I've like, watched it too many times. Yeah. Um, the first time you saw There Will Be Blood, because you're, uh, yeah. you're a comedian and Tyler and I are fans of comedy. Sure. How much did you laugh the first time? And do you find yourself? I find myself finding the early blood funnier yeah. every time I watch it. It's a hilarious <laughs> movie. Yeah, it's really funny. I totally agree with that. And like, you don't know the character's kind of scary enough mm-hmm. that you don't really know what to laugh at. But like, I find it darkly hilarious. Yeah, Some of the very looks, dark. like when he's on the porch with his uh, brother, who's not his brother. You know right. what I mean? And like the looks that he gives him when he's just talking about yeah. humanity and people. I'm like, this guy fucking hates everybody. <laughs> yeah. And I know that's kind of scary, but it's also like kind of darkly hilarious. So, yeah, I, I would agree with that. Yeah, the, the baptism the, scene. Yeah, that, oh, that part. Yeah. Give me is, the blood, Eli. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, that part, that's that's the, specifically the part that's so like harrowing the yeah. first time. And it's, it never loses that power, yeah. but still manages to be funnier, you know, and he's like, it's, it's like, a, I can't remember what he asked him. He asked him like, you know, do you, do you repent? He's like, yes, I do. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Let me get out of my boy. Yeah. 
Abandon my boy. That that movie is so fucking good. I have good friends of mine that don't like it, and it was like yeah. a. I, I'm not normally that kind of guy, but like that's a point of uh, dissension. I, I was like, I kind of don't trust your taste in movies anymore. Right. And I don't know what it is. Like, just Daniel Day-Lewis is just so awesome. I, mm-hmm. I'd watched that movie for three more hours. But mm-hmm. it also seems really eventful, which brings me to my next favorite movie, The Assassination of Jesse James by the coward Robert Ford. Wonderful film. To, Same uh, year. I have to bow out again. 2007. Same year. You I didn't have, like it? I didn't see it. Okay. It didn't... I don't think it's that popular. I never really hear people talking about it. Well, and that's, and that's like, how insulated, like, I am, like, me with my film geek friends is like that was a that movie was like a big deal to us and then I when i like tell people to see it they're like but i don't know what that is so I, I have good. film geek friends too and i feel like when it came out i don't know a lot of people who saw it hmm. but now i feel like all my film geek friends love it like it seems like it grew i think so it's one of those movies that the first time you see it you're gonna the first time i saw it i liked it i didn't love it i liked it but i thought it was long and boring mm-hmm. then the second time you see it you realize that every scene is moving the plot forward mm-hmm. like leaps and bounds. It's like every scene is essential. You think it's just kind of like a lazy Western. I don't even like Westerns, but this isn't a Western. It's just like a movie right. that happens to take place during that time. That's also kind of a There Will Be Blood. I love these characters, Bruce Wayne, uh, Daniel Plainview, Jesse James. I love these like powerful, like uh, kind of successful-seeming guys that are like dark and tormented and feel really alone mm. and also have this like, uh, this isn't me by the way, I'm not describing myself, <laughs> but have this like weird. Aren't I, think, you, though? I think I'm describing all of us to a certain extent. Right. We all have a part of us that's Batman and we all have a part of us that's Bruce Wayne, I suppose. But like, you've just blown my mind, Pete. Homer. <laughs> We're but also Daniel Blaine, Spartacus, like, right? like Jesse James is like loved. Everybody revered him and like really, really, he was a celebrity, but he also just like, that whole movie, Brad Pitt is like pale and looks like haggard yeah. and tired and like can't connect to anyone. Like he can't even like drink beer. Like there's a great line where he would complain about feeling tipsy after one beer. So he couldn't even like be like an outlaw. He was just this guy who wants to shoot fish through the ice yeah. and prays for death. He wants the release of death the whole movie, as does Plainview and arguably mm-hmm. as does maybe Batman. I, don't know. I, uh, I think part of the reason I. I haven't watched uh, Assassination of Jesse James by the Cabaret. You have to say the full name. It's the the only (laughs) funny way to do it. Uh, It's like Austin Powers Sue the Spider Shag Me. (laughs) you got to say the whole title. Um, But part of the reason is because I've heard such wonderful things about the novel that it's based on that I kind Mm. of want to read that first, and I just haven't gotten around to it. Have you read it? I like like seeing the movie first and then reading the book. I'm I'm stupid that way. I'm not here to tell you I'm not stupid. I like (laughs) someone telling me what it's all about, kind of the big points, and then when I can read the book, you can relax. This is like the dumbest thing I've ever said, but you can relax that part of your brain that needs to like track the plot and just kind of like focus right. on what they're talking about yeah. and be like, oh, I remember this, but this this part wasn't in the book. Like American Psycho is another one of my favorite books, which again is about a male character who's seemingly successful uh-huh. and doing all right, but like secretly hates everybody. Mm-hmm. Now, this is uh, the male character that I can't get enough of. <laughs> American Psycho is one of the few movies that I actually like better than the book. I Whereas Yeah, sure. The book American Psycho, I think... It is 100% successful in what it set out to do. Yep. But I, that doesn't necessarily mean it was pleasant to read. I understand. And that, I, that was the point. It was like, this is supposed to be monotonous. Yeah. Like, this chapter about his clothes is supposed yeah, to he, bore you Brady to Sinellis, make the murders, like, that much more flashy. Yeah, Br- Brady Sinellis, uh, he he describes every character's wardrobe or describes yeah. has entire chapters about Huey Lewis albums and stuff. Right. 
it, with the exact same amount of detail that he describes the murders and tortures. Exactly. And so it becomes all part of this. It just becomes dead. Well, you lose it. You kind of start to become Patrick Bateman a little mm-hmm. bit in reading the book. The movie is super hilarious. Yeah. I think it's really, really funny. Mm-hmm. I do have a hard time. The whole, like when I wa- I've seen it so many times, I'll typically skip the chapter on the DVD where he gets the two prostitutes and kind of like the tortury kind of scene. Yeah. Which is fine. Maybe that makes me a pussy. I don't know. But I kind of watch it more for the funny, like fine dining and, he, yeah. and he's murdered. I, I happen to be. But the, the, that, that sex scene or the prostitute scene. Is like, funny. Is also funny when yeah. he's got the camera set up and he's like yeah. flexing, flexing toward the camera. <laughs> it's really <Whoa. laughs> funny. It's really funny. I haven't happened to be of the opinion that he doesn't murder anybody. Yeah, and me that's too. The purpose actually. of the movie, and it's more clear in the book. Yeah. God, I became that guy, but it's true. <laughs> it, like if you read the book, in the movie, uh, he goes back to Paul Allen's apartment, and it's a completely different apartment. Right. And in the book, Paul Allen actually is alive. Yeah. Like he comes back at the end, yeah, and that's yeah. his first murder. And also, Price, the guy with the slicked hair in the movie, uh-huh. uh, Price disappears and then comes back at the end, showing how in this world people could disappear for like six months right. and just be missing, and then it's totally reasonable that they come back. So it sets up this world that everybody's like interchangeable, people are constantly leaving, and it's like the perfect environment to kind of think you're a serial killer, right? Like when really you're just like having fantasies, like the whole thing about the rat and stuff. Remember yeah. the rat? Yeah. No. Well, um, and, it's, and it even it it speaks to a desire to be special, even if special means being the worst, like a monster. Yeah. Where it's just like I I want something to differentiate me from these other people. Yeah, I wish even if it's this, I wish I could have it. Well, you know, I think th- I think it's an exaggeration, and this never works. I've tried to talk about stuff like this on stage; it just doesn't work. Um, what is it in uh, Robin Williams' Red Eye? Is it re- not Red Eye? It's One Hour Photo. Right. Uh. But he talks about how Red Eye discomforts us so because it like shows our animal instincts it makes us look like animals it makes Uh us look like predators or whatever Mm -hmm. and like i've tried to talk about this where we all kind of have this weird sociopathic tendency uh poe uh talked about the imp of the perverse where if you're standing on the cliff (laughs) we just talked uh, just a few weeks ago three weeks about really imp of the perverse so that's totally normal you want to push your wife off the cliff you don't want to but part of you is like, that would be the worst thing you could do. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And uh, I think people are pretty uncomfortable, but also simultaneously want to watch films that are comfortable mm-hmm. with this idea that part of us wants to like murder people. Sometimes yeah. I'm not, I'm not saying really, I'm saying it's like, it's not even a percentage. It's just somewhere in our like fucking caveman DNA. Like sometimes you just want to like go crazy on people. Yeah. W- uh, we had this discussion. I can't remember if it was, uh, with it was on the slash film cast or just with Dave Chen from the slash film cast. I don't, I don't know if you listen to that. It's another uh, no. film podcast about how he s- says that the end of American Psycho, like the implication that he didn't do it, is dramatically unsatisfying. Right, and I can see that, but I think it is thematically very satisfying. Yeah, the mm-hmm. for this reason that you're talking about, exactly, maybe yeah. more satisfying. I would yeah. say. But uh, to talk about the funny things, there's a thing that's in the movie that's not in the book because it's a very filmic thing. The first hint that this isn't real uh, is when he... Well, yeah, there's the ATM telling him to feed him a cat. But then also when he shoots at the cop yeah. and the one bullet causes the cop car to explode. Yeah. And he just gives a funny, like, puzzled look at the gun and then runs away. It's super funny. Yeah. Also, in, when he goes through the revolving door <laughs> yeah. and then comes back to shoot the guy. Yeah. The first time I saw that... 
I was with uh, the girl I was with at the time and a buddy of mine who was also religious. We grew up in the church together. And it was the most conflicted I had felt because I thought it was really funny. Uh-huh. But it was also like a murder. So how could you laugh oh, at that? The first time I felt that way about laughing at a murder or a, a death is in uh, Out of Sight. Oh, the yeah. Steven Soderbergh film. Yeah, I don't I've know if you heard that. the part where at the end, they're at the big mansion that they're robbing. And White Boy Bob is running up the stairs to get to the, the like marble stairs to get to George Clooney. And he slips and falls on the stairs and shoots himself in the head <laughs> and dies. <laughs> and I, was, I saw it in the movie theater and I just like like a blurt laugh. Like, ha <laughs> Yeah. And I was the only person in the theater who laughed and then felt bad about I it. I think you're getting in touch with the film. This, yeah. this is one of the wonderful things that film can do is make <laughs> you laugh at like some really fucked up shit. Yeah. That's the thing, though. You've told that story before. And here's what I'll say. You're right. Those other people are wrong. Yeah, I, I feel that laughing. way. I feel yeah. that way now, but at the time I felt really <laughs> like I was a bad person for having laughed at. I mean, maybe they were in shock. I'll give them that, but no one can look at that and say that wasn't meant to be funny. Right? Yeah. Come on now. Like in in uh, Kiss Kiss Bang Bang, where <laughs> Robert Downey Jr. decides to like get information out of the guy by playing Russian roulette with with him, and happens the very first time to land on the one with the bullet That's and shoots great. the guy right in the head. That's great. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't. I, I I have to give that movie another chance. That was one that I just started, and I was like, "What is this? What am I watching?" And I just turned it off. It is a movie that I loved at first, and as time has gone on, I still enjoy it. But there's just something about like, like if you're gonna go meta with something, you got to be like, I think, real careful about it. Otherwise, it just becomes a little too cutesy and clever. Yeah. And I feel like there are moments, uh, you know, Val Kilmer and and Robert Downey Jr. have a really great chemistry, and a lot of the lines are really well written. But sometimes it's just like. Ah, uh, can you commit to this so that I can? But yeah, I, I feel that'd like be great. He, um, he and by he I mean Shane Black, the writer director, does a good job of of grounding the movie. I mean, it's a it uh it changes tones. I, I think, mm-hmm. um, and every once in a while it'll come back. Like specifically the part where Robert Downey Jr. is hiding under the bed and that girl yeah. gets shot, and then she like dies on the floor looking into his eyes, and the person who shot her doesn't know that he's in the room, and it's like. It's just heartbreaking. It's so sad. And it's it's yeah. incredibly well done. And in that moment, like, I think the heavy lifting is on Robert Downey Jr. to be like, oh, shoot, this isn't a joke. Like, this isn't, we're not playing a game. Like, this is a real thing. Yeah. So I, I do I like, like that those, scene. Those kind of moments that are sprinkled throughout the film help ground it. Yeah. Maybe it's it the good. narration that bothers me. I like his joke. Uh, I like his line that California is like someone grabbed the country by the East Coast and shook it, and all the same girls managed to hang on. Uh, <laughs> that's a good that's line. Funny. There's a lot of good lines in that movie. That's very funny. I, I definitely sometimes I just admit that I'm like, oh, I must be wrong because a lot of people that I respect like this movie, so I'm just kind of like, I should see it again. I will say, ooh, I hope we can still be friends. I hate and kind of have launched a campaign, and I don't care. Against Inception, I thought Inception oh. was diarrhea. He You're likes it more than I do. I said I keep saying that, and uh, again, I'm gonna get uh, mail because every time I say it. But yeah, one star. I hated it. Was horrible. Hated it. I, Please uh, don't email me. I don't care why you <laughs> liked it. Don't email me. But I, I've convinced other people why they shouldn't like it. And and he, and you I don't. Can, I don't stand even by like it. it. I I I think that parts of it are well directed, and I liked. I liked the. Uh, Marion Cotillard, I don't remember her character's name, but I like the idea of her representing guilt to him and that guilt is literally something that is destroying him. It's not just like a thing to deal with. It is a thing that will hurt him after a while. And I like the way they dealt with that aspect of it. But by and large, like 
as far as like like dramatic. when you say the way they dealt, you mean like with a sledgehammer and zero subtlety whatsoever? <laughs> yeah, something like that. But at the same time, like guilt is you the guys kind just of fist fight. <laughs> <laughs> guilt is the type of thing that is so often said and but n- very seldom like used the way it should be, which is a destructive force in a person's life. And in well, that movie, in that movie, I think the less subtle they were about it, the more the happier I was. Hmm. Uh, but by and large, dramatically, I did not find the film very satisfying. Well, that's that's interesting. I've never heard such a uh, well or interesting ar- argument for it, I suppose. Mm-hmm. But even even with that, I, I think we can agree that there's like barely any lines that aren't explaining what's happening. <laughs> oh. Which if you notice that in the first 10 minutes, like I, I kind of did, I'm, I'm not patting myself on the back. It's pretty obvious. Mm-hmm. The movie's ruined. Yeah. Like you're just going to be like. Can they please stop fucking explaining this? And I'm going to be honest with you. Lately, I've been tempted because they give it to I'm in the Writers Guild and they sent it to us. So I have it. Mm -hmm. And I was going to give it away. But I was like, maybe I'm supposed to watch it again. But I can't bring myself to do it. As I said, when I left the theater the first time, I was like, if I wanted to watch Leonardo DiCaprio have flashbacks about his dead family, I have Shutter Island. Yeah. Yeah. I don't. Why did those movies come out? Which is Shutter Island also movie I have some problems with, but way more fun to watch. Definitely a better time in the movies. Absolutely. But I thought Inception was going to be that kind of matrix, matrixy kind Mm -hmm. of good time at the movies. And then it ended up just being like very masturbatory and being like, there's eight levels and I can shape shift. Why? I just I just can, you know, like. Yeah. And way more, this happens from time to time, and I guess I should have expected it, but, like, way more mainstream and easy to understand than one would Think. assume yeah. with a movie like that. Like I agree. It's like, oh, it's all dreamy and, and trippy and stuff. And it's like, really? Because I was able to follow all of it. Yeah. I'm not saying I'm super smart, but the movie goes so out of its I way I couldn't have been more everything. in. You know when you go to a yeah. movie and you're just in? <laughs> I was in. I, I was like, I was leaning forward in my seat. I wasn't talking to the people I was with. I was so focused on it. I think dreams are really interesting. Mm-hmm. I like the actors in the film, and I love Christopher Nolan. And then I, I guess I just had my heart broke a little bit. Mm-hmm. And uh, it, it's just so, uh, it's just so dour. Whereas, The Dark Knight, which is also a very serious movie, but it has Heath Ledger's crazy performance. Like right. it's it's magnetic and and it it's, yeah it it, it breathes. Like, Absolutely, it's a palate cleanse. To the, if, if that movie was just about Gotham and being like, oh, yeah. things are bad in Gotham," and Batman, but Heath Ledger just animates the whole movie. Whereas, yeah. Inception has like the fight in the spinning uh, hotel hallway, which is awesome. I didn't uh, think it was that awesome. N- not the gravity. Not the, well. There's no gravity, but when it's spinning and he's chasing the guy through the hallway, as like, yeah, I mean that part I like. I kept thinking about it. I was I was sitting there as I was watching it, which is how unintuit it I was, uh-huh. and I kept being like, why don't they kick furniture at each other? How cool would that be? Because everything's <laughs> suspended. Why aren't they like pushing things with their legs and like dodging them? It's like how fucking cool. I'm like improving it. Uh-huh. And look, I'm not a filmmaker, but like. I was having like ideas that I wish they had used. Like, I felt the same when it, when I saw the third Matrix. I was like, "What the fuck is this? Why are they ruining?" Remember the part in the, the it's like the only fight scene that's in the Matrix in the third Matrix mm-hmm. where they're like running on the ceiling and stuff. And I was like, "Oh, at the beginning." Yeah. Oh, I bet they're really gonna do this premise t- like the full extent and have some things that I didn't think of. No, nope, they just shot at each other. It's essentially the. That that scene in the lobby from the first movie, right? Except but they're on the, ceiling, on the ceiling, and you don't yeah. care because they're I will not say saving this. Morpheus. <laughs> uh, I, w- I will say this: uh, as bad as the third Matrix movie is, it's better than all three 
of the Star Wars prequels. And <laughs> I don't know why this. I don't know why Matrix. Like, why more people aren't saying this? Yeah, like, like the, the the Matrix sequels did more damage to the Matrix than the Star Wars prequels did to Star Wars. And I guess yeah. because it had thirty years of time to be mm-hmm. built up. But I feel like objectively, if you look at those franchises. I would rather watch the Matrix movies again any day yeah. than most Star- than four out of the six Star Wars movies That's at least. I, I'm a weirdo and I I liked uh, Matrix Reloaded. I'm one of those weirdos too. If you skip and thanks to DVDs, you can <laughs> the whole Morpheus speech and dance sequence. Just skip that chapter. That, that's not. It's you not got, necessary. You got a yeah. pretty sweet action movie. Like yeah. Yes, it's really disappointing. I actually thought it set up some really good questions mm-hmm. and had in my mind, how I wanted it to end. I had this whole thing where Neo was supposed to be in the Matrix, and he was supposed to, like, self-realize. Like, he would be, like, trapped, and he can't get out, and he can't save anybody, and he just can't move. So he realizes that he can unplug himself Hmm. and, like, unplug himself in the real world, kind of, like, wake himself up, Uh and then go back in, and then he was dressed in all white. I had this whole finale. (laughs) And then what they had, like, the questions that they raised in the second Matrix was, like, Oh, he has powers in the real world. Remember that? He stops mm-hmm. the squiddies. Right. And people were like, oh, it's a Matrix within a Matrix was common. And then I was like, no, I believe that the skills that he's learning in the Matrix actually apply to like the reality of the real world. Yeah. And that was a theory. And uh, the answer that the uh, Wachowski brothers gave us in the third was, he just does. Uh-huh. Like, no explanation whatsoever. And then we had like a two-hour CGI fight to watch that was just boner limpening. It was horrible. <laughs> yeah, so much of the third movie is uh, uh is the um the Sentinels attacking Zion and that yeah. stuff is just No one cares. Yeah, it's uh, it cuz there's no there aren't they aren't people and even the right. people are inside machines. And it's then just, it, it's a transformation. There was an movie. awesome scene where I had I cared, okay? I cared about the Matrix and was invested. And remember, okay, so now uh Agent Smith is in the real world. Mm-hmm. And there's actually a really great line about the bags of meat, like that meat smell, which mm-hmm. I thought was really funny. And then Neo is blind and they have a fight. And I was like, okay, so Neo fights in the real world. Does he know? Do you play Assassin's Creed? No, I don't. Uh, no, but I've watched somebody play it. All right. Well, in That's Assassin's same, Creed, right? he basically goes in a Matrix type thing and he knows all these moves. And then in the real world, he knows the moves because he does them in his mind. Uh-huh. So he like it transfers. He's like, oh, yeah, you transferred all your skills in the Matrix. I was like, does Neo know Kung Fu in the real world? I thought that was an interesting yeah. philosophical question. Mm-hmm. You put the information in his brain, but that's in the Matrix. Does he know it in the real world? So I was like, there's going to be this real world fight between Neo and Agent Smith in the real world. And then they did it in a strobe light. Do you remember that? Oh, that's right. Like someone yeah. breaks the light. And so you only mm-hmm. see like every fifth frame. Again, unanswered fucking waste. Yeah. And I was there defending you saying that that multi Smith <laughs> fight was awesome. And it's such a and it's such a, a wasted opportunity because this is the real world where where a fist hitting it you a fist. it means much more. Right. And so they could have choreographed it where it's still really good moves, but everything has the weight behind oh, it. Like how they cool really would that be? Yeah, that would have been really interesting. I think of that every time I play Street Fighter or something, I'm like a drum kick like that would kill a man. <laughs> and they could have had a scene like that, like a seriously, like, Jesus Christ, you fucking killed that guy <laughs> with that one punch. You can't punch someone like that. <laughs> like, there was so much set up. The table was set for an amazing third course. And they, re- I, I think, I feel like the first two, I've, I don't really have a problem with them. This is right. We do have to, uh, we've gone an hour. We should start 
winding down, but um, just trim some of that religion stuff. Out. <laughs> <laughs> I think you know what? Great. I'm going to edit it into my other show. <laughs> <laughs> um, I want I wanted to ask you about um, you, you talk about these uh, the Matrix fight rules applying in the real world. Did you see Watchmen? Yep. And did it bother you that in, that it's supposed to be? It's supposed to be like the most realistic of superhero movies. Like these are real people, right? And yet, in that first attack, they could leap around. But in that first, he like literally throws him through a kitchen counter. Yeah, and then like he's he gets up, and there's a there, right, and he he punches at him, and the guy ducks, and then his fist takes like a chunk out of the wall. I remember. Yeah, yeah. They can't, you can't. They're yeah, supposed to be real people. You know what's funny is is like. I should side with you on this, but uh-huh. like all I remember is how cool that looked. <laughs> <laughs> like that kind of like trumped the reality. You're right, though. That's supposed to be a real world, but like it, it just wasn't, uh, wasn't done that way. I guess it would have been boring had it been done that way. I kind of want to. I, I only have a couple more favorite movies. I don't know. Can you I, know, uh, real quick before we move on. Um, before Zack Snyder did Watchmen for a while, Paul Greengrass, who did the last two Bourne movies, yeah. was going to do. The Watchmen movie, yeah, it was going, and it wasn't going to be in 1986 like the comic. It was going to be current day, and and he, interesting. Uh, and I'm sure he would have done the movie that I wanted to see. The very I bet he would have movie. Yeah, that's really interesting. Anyway, We're just so, talking about how that was a great movie. They changed the ending, uh, but I was okay with it. Oh, from the book, yeah, yeah. I think I was okay with it too because there's a difference between seeing something in a drawing and then seeing it made realistic. Yeah. And the thing that happens, I guess I'll. I imagine most of the people who listen to this show sure. probably know how both end. But if I'll not, just, be, just go ahead and pause it. Watch Watchmen. <laughs> no, but I read will be vague. It. Yeah, and then read it as well. We'll see you in a week. <laughs> uh, no, I will be vague just uh, just in case. The thing that happens at the end of the graphic novel, if you actually saw it on a big screen, it would be kind of ridiculous. Yeah. Well, that's that, never stopped uh, Zack Snyder before with right. 300. He made 300. Did you yeah. see 300? Yeah. What did you think? I actually like 300. Oh, you know why? Because like I was going through a bad breakup, mm. and I watched it. And you you ever have that? Like, a bad movie can be redeemed if you can find the the uh, emotional attachment to it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So I don't think that's a good movie. No. But at that time, I felt that I was, like, this minority being attacked by these, like, never-ending onslaughts. So, and, like, kicking some some ass, but also You losing. felt like the deformed guy who wanted to be the Spartan. Ah! <laughs> rejected by the Spartan. I wanted to be Leonidas, but uh, <laughs> thanks, make me that guy. I, I actually did like it. I just saw Sucker Punch, and that was fucking garbage. I, uh, I have every expectation it's going to be garbage. I'm probably going to see it that at, movie the little, was at, the, at the little... At the little, what was that? I was in. I, I was like, oh, okay. I was like, whatever you got, I'm in. And it's beautiful, and it opens. Mm-hmm. It's got some cool music and stuff. But then you're just like, it's just like macaroni and cheese for the appetizer, and then macaroni and cheese for the lunch, then macaroni and cheese. And you're like, oh. fuck macaroni and cheese. <laughs> like ten minutes in, so your second bowl of mac and cheese, you're like, what am I, John Belushi? <laughs> Uh, I I should have gone with Jim Belushi. (laughs) (laughs) Either way, it didn't end well for either of them. Yeah, yeah. But uh, I am probably going to see it at this little $3 theater over here because I am, and I don't usually do this, I am strangely fascinated by the train wreck element because people yeah. really talk about yeah. how much of a mess that Did movie people is. hate it? Oh, yeah. I mean, I, it's I'm, I'm kind of doing the... a bit about how like you see a movie sometimes and you're embarrassed for the director <laughs> because it reveals what he thinks is erotic. 
and like no one would tell him no but that he yeah. has such a little girl fetish he's like there's all these upskirts and she's got pigtails and then a robot shoots oil on her face and it's like <laughs> dude keep that to yourself that's embarrassing that, like all the, that's kind of like all the uh close-ups of feet in quentin tarantino's movies oh like, yeah he's that's clearly true. into feet and uma's feet yeah but uh, and then and and uh what's her name diane kruger in inglorious bastards the yeah. part where also one of my where heroes. he makes her like put her foot up on his knee and like the way that shot is at least that he in- he incorporated it well into the story yeah yeah but it is shot fetishistically yeah the first uh, time yeah. I saw that movie, I know we have to wrap it up, but Inglorious Bastards, I love. I Me thought too. it was fantastic, and that's two Brad Pitt movies on my list. I don't <laughs> really have a problem with the B B Pitt. Well, well I don't either. It's interesting because, especially with uh, assassination of Jesse James by, by the, the coward, coward Robert Ford, Ford. Um, Casey Affleck <laughs> is great in that movie too. Yeah, like the t- and the two of them together. I met him once. Very nice guy. Casey they Affleck? shot it with lenses from that time period. You should know that. Oh, wow. Really? Yeah. I didn't know that. All those like time eclipse movies where it's kind of like fuzzy on the edge. That's mm-hmm. not effects. It's actually lenses. Oh, that's cool. From that period. Wow. Um, Continue. But I, but I think the reason that I enjoy Brad Pitt in that is because, and I, I think I mentioned this on the uh, the recent BP supplement with Josh Fadum, is that I like it when an actor is cast both because of his ability, but also because of how we view him. Yeah, Jesse James. Well, that's like Eyes is, Wide a, is a movie and, star. Uh, Tom Cruise. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, absolutely. And so, like, he gets a chance to play up the movie star element, and absolutely, but also show us something underneath. So I think Brad absolutely. Pitt can be a good actor in the right role. Yeah, as we see in Troy, in the wrong role. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Man, it's. I, also, I can't blame him for that. I don't that's think. true. I think he's a very modern actor. I think he has very modern sensibilities, and so yeah. he never should have been cast in that. I don't. I don't blame him. Right. I. He did what he could, but he is a limited actor. But within those limits, he's great. I thought I, I recently just this past week watched Fight Club mm-hmm. again, and I think it holds up. I, I, I still, I've never I like been a it. fan. I like it. I go back and forth on it. Um, I, it's it's clear. It's not like a fantastic movie, but what it is is it so accurately captures. Like that, just feeling of kind of like desperate, desperate young people, mm-hmm. like meaningless life. Yeah, atheists, you should love but, this. But also, but also <laughs> like like a young idealist or, or or person who thinks they're an idealist. Yeah, Fight Club is so sure of itself and sure it's right. Yeah, and that it's it, it's it's really no. Like I, the third act where they're lecturing like, to you, we blew up a Geffen thing and it rolled mm-hmm. into a starbucks and it's, I, I don't like the whole project mayhem part yeah i kind of like i like the i like origin stories i like watching him lose his mind through insomnia and then like yeah. you know become tyler durden spoiler alert also this will this will be a good one to end on because i want to talk about the ending the departed is also one of my favorite movies except for the last four seconds <laughs> when that fucking rat comes out that is pretty dumb that is like sucker punch nobody told this guy his fetishes are too apparent and nobody would tell Scorsese that, like, you shouldn't, you just shouldn't do that. <laughs> yeah. Like, end on the shot of the of Boston. Don't yeah. have a rat come out. <laughs> yeah. No one. Why didn't they just say, "Hey, Marty, let's just do one where the rat doesn't come out. <laughs> just do one." Doesn't he have a friend? There has yeah, to be somebody there... that's like not on the payroll. Like I'm picturing just like Christopher Lloyd being there, and just like, <laughs> just like, oh, maybe we don't do the, this one. And then he's like, "Okay, Chris." Yeah, I think anyone who becomes super successful should, yeah, from the ground floor, have a guy or a gal, a friend, yep, that a you person. pay. To be honest to you. To keep you real. And yeah, that's David, that's who are job. we going to get? You said ground floor. Who are we going to get? We got each other. 
That's is that right. how we're operating? I, think so. I, think I hate so. your tie. <laughs> oh, Knock it off. Yeah. Um, um, but Departed is a movie that I um, didn't didn't love, uh, but I could watch it right now and yeah. do it again yeah. tomorrow. I could it watch it over a, and over again. There was again. a time when it was on HBO constantly, and I think I just watched it every time it was on. I also love Boston movies. I'm a sucker for I don't like Gone Baby Gone as much as I like The Town, and that tells you something about my ability to follow story. Mm. No, I love Gone Baby Gone. Gone Baby Gone is just... This is also embarrassing. It's just a hair too complicated for me. <laughs> and it might be because I like to drink while I watch movies, but right. I always like get to a point I'm like, who the fuck kidnapped this guy and why is it this guy? And like <laughs> the town is just like, we're robbing some banks. <laughs> it's so much more simple. I'm just like, yeah, Charlestown. <laughs> I like let's, that. Uh, let's end with this. Um, we, ju- we just did, as, as Tyler talked about, our summer movie preview bonus episode. When you asked Josh, Josh Fadum. Fadum questions, did he just like throw himself in your recycling bin? <laughs> <laughs> jo- Josh has been on this show more than any other person. That's pretty much what he does when he comes over here. Um, but we just had our summer movie preview with Josh. Um, anything coming out that you're looking forward to? Any big summer movies you're looking forward to? I want to see Bridesmaids. I know that this, right. that's not really like a uh, filmy and sort that'll of have, thing. And that will have already come out by the time this episode Oh, really? Up. Yeah. Yeah, I really want to see that. What 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 are people looking I forward know, here to? Here are my big ones. Yeah. I've uh, unapologetically a Harry Potter fan, so I'm looking forward to the final Harry Potter that, movie. Now doing stand-up, I was talking to Kumail about this. It's mm-hmm. like... When you do Harry Potter jokes at colleges now, that's their Star Wars. You say Hogwarts, you might yeah. as well say the Millennium Falcon. Yeah. That's what that's it. Yeah. So it's kind of culturally relevant. Like we have to watch those movies. Yeah. I actually kind of have to catch up with them. Uh and then the other big one for me is Cowboys and Aliens that I'm, I'm looking forward is to. Is that, that supposed to be good? It's if John Favreau. It's John right? Favreau and it's got a great cast. Why? So. And it has to know that it's kind of kooky or something, yeah. right? And uh, like well, one of the like Damon Lindelof, who one of the guys from Lost is okay. one of the writers credited with it. So well, I mean, I'll definitely pedigree. see it. I just saw Fast Five, so I'm going to see Cowboys and <laughs> Aliens. I need to catch up on the Fast and Fear. I saw the first one, didn't like it. I haven't seen any of them. I only saw Fast uh, Five. Ed, I mean, critically, it's definitely the best reviewed of the... It's not bad. Yeah, it's getting, it's it's getting good reviews. I, I, I like silently root for Vin Diesel. Like, I'm just kind of <laughs> like, you can do it. <laughs> Say that line, you son of a bitch. And he is far and away the best actor in that movie. Really? Even The Rock. I, I'm a fan of The Rock. The, as, Rock, as is, the Rock is... Okay, The Rock is better. But in that crew... Okay. Oh yeah. They're the black guy who's like Tyler or Ty. I don't know. He's like half Asian, half oh. black, and he's like yeah. just like a gorgeous model. Tyrese. Right? Tyrese. He fucking blows, and he makes the the black the quintessential action movie. Oh hell no! Like you uh, know what I mean? That like that's crazy. We're not uh, doing Martin that. Lawrence I'm in this boys. for the money. He makes Martin Lawrence look like Mar- uh, uh, Lawrence Olivier. Martin Lawrence Olivier. <laughs> this, I mean, like, it's not as easy as it looks. And right. this guy just really, like, the timing, the expressions, this guy fucking blows really, really bad. You should end this podcast with my bit about you make a movie. Have you ever seen that bit? Hmm. You what should watch that? it and play the audio of it here. Okay. <laughs> I guess I'll have to do that later. I have yeah, a bit about how whenever I make fun of movies, sometimes people in L.A. will heckle me. You make a movie. <laughs> so it's on YouTube. Okay. okay. <laughs> we'll, we'll incorporate it in. Oh, now, I speaking of to- The Rock. Oh, okay. And now I can't remember the name of the movie that I'm thinking Walking of. Walking Tall. No, the one with Sean William Scott. Pitch oh, The Black. Rundown. The Rundown. Did you ever see The Rundown? No. That's awesome. great. Awesome. The Rundown? Yeah. yeah he, um, Wait, is it on Netflix? Zune? I don't know if it is. I I sh- I you guys got to give me a list of movies that I would like based on the um, movies that I like. The Rundown okay. is an action movie where that. he is, I guess, like a paid enforcer, I guess, for a rich 
kind of criminal type guy whose uh, idealistic fuck-up slacker son has gone off to Brazil to make his own fortune. And so he hi- he sends The Rock down to Brazil to get the guy, and The Rock ends up, uh, I guess, butting heads with the exploitative owner of the mine in uh, in brazil played by christopher walken so oh. essentially the rock versus christopher walken really and what's it awesome. called with the, sean william scott sean William, commenting and, from time to time and rosario dawson is great it's called the rundown the mm-hmm. rundown yeah. peter berg directed peter berg directed gotta yeah. check it out um now what i wanted to because you just mentioned uh that we should recommend movies to you based on what you've uh, yeah what you like that should be your thing and here's uh and it's <laughs> odd because i wanted to comment on the running theme that I've noticed, uh, and I'm not going to try to psychoanalyze you or anything Dark like that. Dark male characters. Uh, duality seems to be a big thing for you. Oh. Like people who pr- who have to, for one reason or, the, or another, present a public face. Yes. But then they've also got this thing going on. Even somebody oh, like Jesus. Daniel Plainview. I am so transparent. <laughs> God, play this for my therapist. <laughs> yeah, you know, you're absolutely right. You're right on the money, Tyler. And it's uh, and it it's interesting um, because that is, I I like those movies as well because in those movies you will often find the most fascinating characters, and some of the best acting. You right. Know? And so uh, the so conflict, yeah. the so inner, what do you inner think? conflict. The first, uh, uh, the two movies that leapt to mind for me, even Glenn Gary Glenn Ross, are because yeah, they're salesmen. Oh yeah, are uh, uh, Psycho and Peeping Tom, both movies about people who have secret lives as. Psycho, I like. Sure, yeah. Yeah, have Psycho. you seen Peeping Tom? No. It's uh, it came out about the same time, maybe even the same, same year, year. I think it's a it's a British movie in which a guy who is a professional uh, cameraman for a movie studio also at night, I guess, goes out and murders women by taking his camera and strapping a knife to the front end of the tri- tri- the front tripod leg, and he stabs them with the knife while he's filming <laughs> the yeah. camera and. It, it came out. The, it came ruined out the, Michael Powell's career because right. he was like this respected guy who had made the Red Wait, and shoes. Wait, it's not good. And, it's and, no, great. It's fantastic. It's really great. Um, and they, yeah, this guy had made you know uh, the Red Shoes and and uh, Thief of Baghdad and Black Narcissus and all these. He was a very respected director, and then he makes this very salacious but very good yeah. uh, slasher movie. You guys got to put this in an email. I'm serious. Yeah. That's a proto slasher movie. The one that I was going to suggest uh, is a movie called The Killer Inside Me. Uh, it's with uh, Casey Affleck. It's very American Psycho-esque. I love um, Casey Affleck. And it's and it's about a guy who's uh, in the 1950s, this very upright sheriff's deputy that everybody likes. Yeah. Turns out he's an absolute psychopath. <laughs> and it's, uh, it's, it's good stuff. It's it's not a wonderful movie, and it really fi- it starts to fizzle at the end, but like Casey Affleck's amazing. All yeah. the acting is great. I will say... There is some rough violence. There is no humor. There is no yeah. humorous violence as there is yeah, yeah. in American Psycho. It is brutal. We've said this on. The, I've said this on the show before, but I find myself with every passing day becoming more and more squeamish. Like I would make high school me would make fun of myself yeah, for being sure. like as upset by stuff. Like You're actually, I, so I haven't seen the killer inside me, and partially it's because I've heard about just how brutal it is. Yeah. You're reminding me another one of my favorite movies. This is uh-huh. getting ridiculous. Is the uh, a history of violence. Which is about a guy who's pretending to be a nice guy, but he was in the mob and murdered people. That was my favorite movie of uh, 2005. I love that movie. That's a great movie. Great sex scene. Mm-hmm. Two great sex scenes. I don't. I don't often. Uh, Two great sex scenes. Yeah, and I was thinking of the staircase one, but also the one yeah. where they show the sixty-nine position. Yeah, yeah. And Which you don't often see if you listen to the commentary. Have you? Uh, no, I haven't. He actually says someone told him that I'm the only American director 
that's like in a mainstream <laughs> movie showed the 69 position. He is Canadian. Maybe that's Oh, he's issue. Canadian. I thought he was French or something. Which is assumed. French Canadian. <laughs> <laughs> that seemed like a laugh to end on. <laughs> well, yeah, I was about to do so. Um, do it then. You can find us at battleshippretension.com or on iTunes. You can email us, David at battleshippretension.com, Tyler at battleshippretension.com. I'm on Twitter at The Pretension. Uh, Tyler's on Twitter at More Lessons, which is the More Than One Lesson uh, Twitter feed. That's at morethanonelesson.com. And my other weekly podcast the television review show previously on is at previously on show.com so pete where can people find you on the internet uh i'm on twitter with a z pete holmes with a z s as an organic gardener uh <laughs> his only tweet is organic gardening and that was that was four years ago i've at messaged him i've direct messaged him he's he's not homeboy's not giving it up and then there's just uh pete if you're in san francisco i'm recording my album on the 31st and june 1st at the punchline all right That's awesome what I'm yeah and i'm immediately gonna go follow that other pete holmes because that sounds <laughs> because delightful this is a humble brag but like uh i think Pat oswalt jim gaffigan all follow him because they think it's me. <laughs> so this organic gardener has the ears of some pretty high up uh, comedy types. So you should really get that get the word out about mulch that doesn't have additives. You son of a bitch. All right. Well, thank you, Pete, for being here. Thank you, guys. This was great. Yeah, and thank you fun. all for listening. And we'll get you next time. Bye. Bye. Bye.